Hello, Jordan. Hey, uh, how are we? Yeah, yeah, good. Feedback good on rambling before the pod last time? Yeah, so people like the rambling before the podcast actually kicked off, so... Do it again? Yeah, why not? Sound. What have we done this week? So yeah, well this week, we've, uh, last week we were talking about London Fashion Week, so I suppose it's only right that this week we talk about Milan. Milano, Milan, yes. What a piss balling around to get there. Yeah, so I suppose if anyone follows you on Instagram, they would have seen... Or you, you have a lot of content. Yeah, I, I can post more stupid content than <laughs> no one follows me, so it works. Um, lots of IG filters. But yeah, we went to go to Milan and our flight got cancelled after we sat in the airport for about eight hours. Yeah, one pack of cards and two bottles of Prosecco later, we... Hold on, are you, are you, are you nervous? <laughs> We're actually recording out of a store cupboard right now. There is nowhere in our office that is free to podcast. Um, and there's a leak. <laughs> there's a leak. But yeah, so yeah, no, uh, but we did get on a flight. We did make it to M- Milan and we were actually there for Moncler's 70th birthday. It, yeah, brilliant. And you were sat in the gods with with gods, Future, yeah. Pharrell, Pierre Gasly. Um, you Ricky know, Thompson. Ricky Thompson, Sean White and Hathaway. And I was... Uh, in the pissing rain. In the pissing rain. <laughs> they did give me an umbrella, though. Who had the better seats? My view was about a thousand times better than yours. I saw lots of phones. I'm pretty sure half my content was recording other people's phones. It was good fun, though. It was... Yeah, it was insane. So basically, if anyone hasn't seen it, Moncler took over Plaza del the Dumo is at the main square so. in Milan. The one with the cathedral. Like. And they had like 1,952 performers. They did indeed. So we got told there was going to be like almost 2,000 models. And I was like, surely that's not right. And then the lady on the phone uh, corrected our friend said, no, you've, we've got 1,952 performers. As 1952 was the year that Moncler started. We got there and it was madness. Thousands of Moncler white track suits. And you hate this joke and I love it. I wonder where they got them from, Jordan. They must have gone to Liverpool. Classic. You can laugh, by the way. You don't. Yeah, so they're in the Maya jacket and they're doing a big thing. <laughs> I'm just going to brush over you and say that. <laughs> Okay, that really is sound like it's Jordan, leaky. we've done this before, it's all right. But yeah, so, you know, the, the, that sort of iconic jacket, this year they're bringing out, like, loads of collaborations. So, yeah. you know, that's what they've done really well is a genius collaboration. So, you know, you're going to see, like, Rick Owens jackets this year and Tom Brown ones. It's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. But, like, look, there was a load of other stuff that went down. Yeah. The main thing you need to know about Milan is it's impossible to get a taxi, it's impossible to get any food. And everywhere starts an hour late. And, yeah, everything runs late. But, you know... There was like, I suppose the highlight for a lot of people was Ferragamo's show, Maximilian Davis, who has his own yeah. brand, his first year as creative director. It was amazing, stunning, looked beautiful, red everywhere. Little Ford GT. And little Ford GT and all the advertising campaign. I'm which... it's a Ford GT. I'm like a great schmuck if that's not right. <laughs> I think there's a lot of reason why we look like schmuck. I think that, that's the least of our worries. Dolce Gabbana. Yeah, Kim Kardashian. Chris Jenner. Yeah, didn't... I'm pretty sure it's D&G that slagged off the Kardashians saying they are the tackiest... Either Kim's the tackiest person or the Kardashians are the tackiest people. And now they are, like, Kanye and Demna. Designing with them, yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's weird. I think also, you know, like, once a long time ago, we did a big shoot for D&G and we pulled it day after all the sort of racism yeah. allegations. I mean, which one? <laughs> which racism exactly, allegation yeah. uh, came out? And I think, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. I saw Diet Prada talking about it, like, how come no one's talking about all this racism that's gone down? And it's like, because D&G 
pay loads of money in advertising dollars. And that's something, <laughs> well, that's something we, we've sort of experienced when we were in Milan. We're sitting with some of our friends who are editors. Yeah. And they were like, we have to go to this show because basically they're our biggest spender for our magazine. So, you know, we need to go and give them good coverage rather than being honest. Yeah. No, it's a long thing as well. Like, someone slagged off a brand and pulled out and basically lost millions just on an honest opinion. There was nothing that was incorrect. It was just said what we said and then... They said, that, they said their, the writer said their opinion and then they pulled the publish, the funding for all the publisher. Which I'm is, not going to say the brand, but basically what happened was they said there is not a lot of like representation in this show. Like There was no black models. And the company, instead of addressing that, they decided to pull all their advertising money and that's it. Yeah, so you know, there's, <laughs> there's no true journalism. And do you know what, Danny, though? You know, I feel like we'll, we'll, we'll talk about these brands in like an honest way. If someone wants to pay us a load of money, I'll, t- I'll tell everyone they're great, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> like, I, I, it's, it's, it's getting to that point now. We've been doing this for a long time. It's common knowledge. You can see it. You can still give me a bag, though. We, we, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while now and we've not made any money from it. We've lost a lot true. of money from we it. We are in minus money. So, you know, if D&G want to, you know, send us, a, send us a bag... You know, I will say the Kardashians are the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I, no, I was going to say I don't think they're racist, but <laughs> they are. So, you know. But okay, yeah, like, look, there's other crazy stuff. Twins everywhere. Not, Twins. Not just you and I. I mean, there's a lot of drinks at a party, but I was definitely seeing double. Yes, but Gucci and Sunai use twins. Yeah, I feel so bad for Sunai. Like, their show was two and a half hours after Gucci. So, what, six hours Milan time because everything's fucking lit. Gucci Brow Twins. And then Sunai brought twins where Gucci walked with twins. Sunai had plants in the audience that would get out in their normal clothes. I mean, not normal, obviously still dressed up. And they'd go down the runway and go around a revolving door and their twin would come out fully dressed instantly. So I don't think people realise it's twins until obviously it happened a few times. Who's was better? I like Sunai's concept. Yeah, and same. also the memes are great as well. Yeah, I like, I like. if you haven't seen it, like, a lot of people are covering it. I like, there's a reaction video of the crowd being like, yeah. what the fuck are these people doing getting out of the crowd for? I get it, though. Like, obviously, fashion shows are very heavy for, like, protesters and shit like that. So I can see why people are No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, great. Reactions. Like, it was, that's, I, yeah, they obviously knew what they were doing, but that's why, for me, it's definitely, like, the better out of the two. It yeah. was a bit more low-key. Like, Gucci had the grandness. And, it, you know, it makes sense for Gucci, but I would yeah. have preferred to have witnessed the Sonai one. Yeah, I agree. Next up, Bottega. Kate Moss, more great memes. Meh. Cheese. Meh. She, it's still cool. I will always think Kate Moss is cool as fuck. Like, I think having her in the show is like... Yeah, anybody anybody having like Kate Moss or Naomi Campbell walk the show, Yeah, you know, it's it's iconic. But, meh. Yeah, I mean, she literally looked like she... The thing is, there's, there's stunt walking. I've, yeah. I think I've just made up a, a term there, but like, you know, like doing it she for like... tightrope. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Doing it for like, you know, like clicks or whatever. Yeah. Which, you know, Versace did. Yeah. You know, they had Paris Hilton close the show, which makes sense. Yeah. Iconic. She Greatest up. singer alive. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of her. Stars of Blind is yeah. still one of the best tunes potentially of all time. But yeah, she isn't a model. It's stunt, it's stunt casting. No, Paris Hilton. Oh, right, yeah. It was weird. Yeah. It looked great. It looked terrible. It made sense. But there are other ones where I'm like... Like, Prada did it really well. Yes. I think. They cast, like, really interesting people to do walks. And at the end of Kim Jones' Louis Vuitton, when he had... Um, he came out with Kate and Naomi hand in hand. I think that makes sense, where it feels iconic, rather than it just being like, oh, Kate's, like, not modelling much anymore. Let's fucking put her in a show. Like, she's obviously doing... It's she's doing cook, but... Do you want to uh, try and redefine she that? She is great director of Diet Cook. Yeah, that's fair. Coca-Cola 
GB? No, EU? I don't, I don't want to get sued. I don't want to get sued. But yeah, you know, like Milan, I suppose. I bet she's getting paid bugs. Yeah, so Milan. Milan. You enjoyed it? I actually did. I think I spent more time in airports than I have in my bed the last two nights. I'll sleep on the floor. <laughs> my no, wife hates me. The, the, one thing, the one thing that I, I got from travelling there with you is, you know, you go through airport security, you have to take out all your liquids. Oh, for fuck's sake. Your skincare routine. Yeah, it's on point, Danny. I think you're going to see my boots. You're looking, you're looking great. Thank you. What is the skincare routine? Because I feel like people ask it all the time. We never address it. You know what? I have a couple of different skincare routines. I've got my one at home, but something's like over 100 mil or whatever. So I actually have one that I travel with and go to the gym with. So I've been using Haeckels. And that Haeckels stuff's pretty good. So it's just like uh, a face wash, a serum, an eye cream, and a moisturiser. And I feel like to travel with, it's easy. Fits in that little plastic bag. So nothing too much. all quite simple. I mean... Yeah, for travelling, yeah, it makes sense. It's everything you need. So, yeah. So you're not going to invest in $400 serums from Brad Pitt's new... <laughs> did you know that? When he was at uni, he had the, actually studied dermatology. I didn't know that. No, I made that up completely. Okay. Why the fuck would people spend that money on it? Yeah, so Brad Pitt's launching... Everyone, basically, everyone's launching a, 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 some sort of skincare beauty line. Yeah. Like Ariana Grande makeup, Machine Gun Kelly and uh, Harry Styles did nail polish. Shrub up. Fucking, who else was it that did Not Travis Scott. No, um, no, who else did nail polish? It was in the concrete. Was it Frank Hush? No, it's Tyler. Tyler did nail polish. Probably, maybe. Anyway, Travis Barker, everyone's going sick, and I don't know if it's just the Kardashian, like, anything will get publicity. Travis Barker came out with an expensive skincare line, and everyone's like, why the fuck didn't you do tattoo care? It makes so much more sense to have either a concealer or an aftercare. But instead, he went into makeup, and it's got a lot of fuss around it. It it doesn't make sense to me. Like, Like, Brad Pitt doesn't make sense to me. Like, Hayley Bieber doing it, for some reason makes sense to me because she's glam but she's into it as well but like you know I don't know we'll see I mean this is all bullshit and like this is actually rambled on far too long anyway yeah we have pretty fucking cool guests today yeah like it's somebody who when we were making PAQ I'd always look at their content and be sort of in awe of like how resilient they were to be out on the streets getting it oh my god yeah and you know you've appeared in a couple of his videos I have yeah it's always been love like I love this man's pieces he's just such a hustler and after we chatted to him as well we were like what the fuck you are doing bits he is doing bits he's he's transcended fashion he's moving on to bigger and better things did he mention it in Antwerp he got brought up once or twice (laughs) anyway without further ado here he is what do we call him Icy Cuff unknown vlogs Kofi Kofi is on the pod and what a banger pod it is. So, Kofi, Danny, how do you two actually know each other? How did we first meet? Because I'm thinking we've known each other for absolutely years. Yeah. But I can't think of the time when we first met. Because I think we'd always seen each other around. Mm-hmm. We'd always chat like a little bit. And I remember we went to Queen's Tennis with Burberry. Oh, wait. Wow. Unlocked a memory there. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to Queen's Tennis with Burberry. And then I think that was when we spent a lot of time together on that day. I think obviously from then, that's when we became like close. Who else was there? Yeah. It was Peter Q boys. Yeah. Taylor and Cohen there? Yeah, they were there. The Bloom twins were there. The Bloom girls. twins? I don't know. I think I that can't was pretty think. much. It was very intimate and tight. Yeah. Because we were like, I think we were like the first quote influencers for Burberry. Yeah. I don't think no one in the UK was put on an event like that. I don't know. No, because TikTok wasn't really a thing then. It was this was 2018, 2019, I want to say. Yeah. So that was fun though. Yeah. I still have the tennis balls they gave us. <laughs> yeah, me too somewhere yeah. actually. <laughs> 
I play fetch with them with my dog, innit? It's <laughs> 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 bougie like that. I'll find it because me and Jordan have started playing tennis. Jordan's now got a tennis coach, so <gasps> maybe the Burberry Balls will make an appearance. Come on. On a court near you. A little TikTok, maybe. That'll do. And I've been looking at a Minions tennis racket as well. Oh, that's hard. Oh, it's, that's it's, really cool. It's a Wilson Minions tennis racket. So oh. I think I might have to kind of get it now, just purely for TikTok content. You have to. I, f I mean, I was hoping it's more like cartoony, like a Lego camera, so like minions around it and stuff. There you go. The content just writes itself. Yeah. But anyway, so obviously, following your journey, you are very multifaceted, but we can't start off without talking about your YouTube. How did you get into YouTube? You started in 2014. What made you start a YouTube channel? I mean, it kind of started like I was born in Kent. And like, I had an interest that not many people were into in the city I was in. I discovered Supreme through Tumblr, then I discovered the influential people in the community through Tumblr. I then tracked them to Twitter. Then I followed the lifestyle on Twitter, like when Pyrex was popping and stuff. Sick. I was obsessed with that. And I wanted to own the pieces, but I had, I don't have money. I didn't have money. So how could I get close to the clothing? I was so lucky we had Supreme in London, honestly. <laughs> We didn't have Supreme in London. I don't think Unknown Vlogs would be here today. Yeah. Just because that was the one place where you could... It's like a school playground at lunchtime. You meet up with your friends at lunch. Yeah. It was a, a vibe. Good input, you know? I got to meet up with people that liked the same things as me. Yeah. And they were buying it. And I was filming what they bought until I had enough money to buy it too. <laughs> what was your first piece that you got then? It was the 2015 Supreme Box logo in New York Yankees. No way! Yeah, when okay, people so were camping. You started quite quite high then. You got like a, a decent yeah, piece for your, yeah, yeah. your first one. And it one. was fun, because I was in there trying in different sizes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what size I was in tees. I didn't really buy clothes for myself. Sick. Yeah. So you started off with a vlogging kind of... Yeah. What were you vlogging originally from the start? Oh, oh my God, it's embarrassing. Because you weren't, you weren't unknown vlogs to start off with, were you? No. We had ice, Icy Life? No. What do you know? <laughs> Where do you, you know you're like tapping into things no one knows. <laughs> so, <laughs> it <yeah>. scares me. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so I had another channel and it was called The Unknown Blasian. And we're not going to backtrack any more than that. <laughs> the Unknown Blasian, because I'm half black, half Asian. And there was a community for Blasians on YouTube and I tapped into that and boom. That's how my YouTube kind of started. My first ever vlogs, kind of embarrassing, because basically I used to get in trouble a lot in school for the way I dressed, because I was rebellious and I was like, no, I don't want to wear it like that, I'm gonna wear it like this. So I got in a lot of trouble and I would go to Saturday detentions and I would vlog them. <laughs> <laughs> what, you just writing lines for two hours? It was me, <laughs> like leaving my house, skating to school, but on the way I'll go to the bossman shop and I'll buy some snacks to sneak into detention <laughs> and I'll be in detention. I still have the videos on my channel and maybe one day I'll like review them. Sick, are they available or are they unlisted? Oh, they're unlisted, 100%. <laughs> oh man. I'm a kid in those videos, man. This he is doesn't like, want to destroy his brand. But yeah, <laughs> man, this is like 2013, 2014 times. Bloody hell, that was 10 years ago. Yeah, man. Not bad. <laughs> so you went from there and then the fashion vlogging. So what made you take that step from vlogging detentions to vlogging fashion? I mean, my first ever video on my channel, The Unknown Vlogs, um, is me going to the likes of Saint Laurent and all these like retail retailers and trying on clothes because I was like, if I want to buy the clothes, I'm going to envision myself in the clothes. So I'd go to the shops, try them on, go to Palace, put on the beanies, talk about my life goals in those videos. So, then I would upload the video and it got traction. It got more views than my other channel. My other channel was getting like 30 views, 20 views. This was getting like... <laughs> A thousand views in like 
a couple of weeks. I was like, damn, I really hit something here. And I have people commenting on my video. This is rare. Okay, I don't know you. You're not from my school. So <laughs> I kind of tapped into that. I'm like, okay, there's a demand for fashion. Because I was into Tumblr a lot. I discovered Supreme, of course. I would go to Supreme drop. My first ever Supreme drop, it took off. Yeah. The second ever Supreme drop video, I had a Hypebeast article. No way. Yeah. So is there anyone from those videos that you still chill with now? Like, are there any familiar faces? There's like a couple faces that you wouldn't know that I kind of like filmed with in the early days that I would talk to now and then. Yeah. But um, no one really. I was very much like a lone wolf because it yeah. was all new to me. And I'm still going back to Kent every day. So, <laughs> you know, to me, I'm like stranger danger. I don't know you guys. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to school because I know these kids here. So what were people dressing like in your area? Was it really? Oh, it was like high street brands, of course, like the River Islands and stuff and whatever was popping. So like, you, we all know, own, um, what's it called? Own clothes school day. Own, where you oh, non-school uniform day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people will pull up in the, you know, the checkered black and red shirt. Yeah, The classic. jeans and the vans, the slip on vans. That was yeah. the swag. I don't know what you would call that era. Maybe like, um, like goth, rebel, I don't know. What do you mean? And then, so you and like- What were you wearing though? Oh, so- Same thing. <laughs> Nah. No, 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 because that was the trendy clothes. I couldn't get those. My mom bought clothes like once every Christmas, you know. So I was pulling up like, uh, everybody hates Chris, you know, like just how many down. <laughs> so you were going to Supreme from Kent. So what was kind of around in that area? What was the Soho dress code? In Soho? Just, well, in general, what were the cool kids wearing? You, because you weren't wearing Supreme in those videos, no, were you? No. What were you? So like, what were you wearing and what were you wanting to wear? Because I'm assuming you're not wearing Saint Laurent Oh Gucci no, I was wearing that, school uniform. Days. Like I was in my school uniform and I was throwing a jumper, like a black plain jumper or whatever. And that's how I'd rock it. And I'd have a long trench coat and I would hide everything under that with Sick. my backpack and then my crazy hair. Luckily my hair, that's what everyone looked at instead of my clothes. So I had this big <laughs> ass afro tied up. And that became like my trademark at the time, you know, tied up afro and a big camera. They don't really look at you. Yeah. It kind of worked. How long did it kind of take for you to realize this channel's actually blowing up? It was the second Supreme video. so like my third video on my channel. And did your numbers just absolutely skyrocket? Yeah, it took off. There was this really cool original YouTube. We want to talk about like OG YouTubers. I forgot his name. He used to be part basement and he would like, people would send him clothes. He would legit check them and then send it off. What? Brandon Taylor? Yeah. Brandon Taylor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the OG, okay? Yeah. He was the first, on quote, first YouTuber in London doing doing this. You know? Yeah. Because it's it it Taylor's Trades? I can't remember his, his name, but yeah, Brandon Taylor. He like just focused used to... on like streetwear, the culture we were in. He was the first. And he wasn't even really entertainment per se. No. Brandon just used to do it. For business. He, yeah, it was literally for business. It was almost like receipts. So he'd yeah. get an item in, legit check it, and then people could see what's coming in now and be like, right, I've received your item. Like, it was his visual receipt, I guess. Right. So and yeah. I think that it got its own like little cult following yeah. by accident because Brandon Taylor's like quite sweet and reserved. It kind of showed through. It was like quite endearing to watch. Yeah. But then you had on one of your videos that your dream subscriber goal was 20,000. Where do you get this information from? <laughs> You've even like some FBI things. You know? Well, I think the reason that one came about is because when you hit 20,000 subscribers, you decided to do your first merch drop. Oh my God, you're embarrassing me. No, okay, so basically- And it looked a little something like this. Oh my God, no way. No way. So you don't have that anymore. Ah. <laughs> okay, so heavily inspired by Raph Simmons and Ruby Sterling collab. So, and the whole concept of that, well, not the concept, what I saw from it was images on clothing in random places. I thought that was cool. So I just did my own. <laughs> so yeah, this, this, this is a, it's a picture, a big graphic on the front, 
is that you in it? Oh, my friend took a photo of me on his film camera and I just put it on a t-shirt. On a t-shirt and on the back, bigger than like a footballer's <laughs> uh, name and number, says The Unknown Vlogs. Yeah, uh, there was like a party uh, at Edgeter um, and it was like rest a... Rest in peace. Yes, rest in peace, Edgeter, the, the shop. And um, Novelist had a pop-up there, I think, and everyone was graffitiing on the wall. Funnily enough, that was the first time I ever graffitied and it was so cool. I took a photo of my The Unknown Vlogs. I was like, that is so cool because I did that and it's on the wall. So I'm going to take that and make it my logo. So that was my YouTube logo for like the longest time ever. Sick. Yeah. I mean, now you have smashed your 20,000 subscriber goal by 46.3 times. <laughs> oh, quick maths. <laughs> quick maths. Definitely not written down. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously your channel's grown. When was the start when you started to deviate from vlogs to making more miniseries? And when we say miniseries, you know, I think a lot of people get into the Unknown Vlogs world via how much you have it worth. But it's mm -hmm. not that wasn't the only series, I mm -hmm. suppose, that you were doing. You'd done, like, area guides and things like that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, when was that first time where you were like, oh, shit, I'm going to deviate a little bit? I kind of understood YouTube well because yeah, I had the opportunity to, like, use YouTube as a platform. So I kind of understood the algorithm more so by studying other YouTube channels. And I understood that many series work really well on the algorithm. So... Who are you watching? Like, I'm an OG viewer. I was watching Avery YouTube. Ginsburg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I found like um, an old message between us the other day. So random. <laughs> yeah, Avery, he was, he's cool. And um, the other homie, I remember he disappeared. And I think Sanjeev's friend of him. Is it Bare Knuckles or something like this? Jacob he's, Keller? Yeah. yeah. Wait, and he would review brands at home. And then he disappeared for the longest time ever. Yeah. He's got the, the brands actually big now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Bare Knuckles, that's, that's his brand now. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's quite big. But I was watching him on YouTube as well. And I um, and then aside from that, I was watching like just other YouTubers like Mazzy Maz and all these OG YouTubers. Mm -hmm. But I kind of like, I can't remember who I was watching, but I understood that. Oh, I was watching Complex News. Yeah. A lot. Emily yeah. Oberg. Yeah. In the, in the, <laughs> going down the Supreme line. Yeah. But then I understood, when I, I was so surprised how Complex was running for so long because I only learned about Complex from... Supreme documentations they were doing and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, they've been here for so long, but I've only seen them now. Then I study their channel. Like, oh, they have mini series here and there that do really well. Some videos get no views. I understood this. I was like, okay, I need to make a series. What is it going to be? I had so many trial and errors, you know, unknown drops and all this and that. And then Paris Fashion Week happened and everyone wants to take in selfies with like the likes of like, you know, Ian Connor, Lucas Abar, uh, Virgil, rest in peace, Heron, everyone. Everyone yeah. was there outside Colette standing. Like you could just go to them and touch them and be like, hey man, big fan. Yeah. Everyone was taking selfies with them and the energy was so good. And I didn't really use Instagram much back then because I was a YouTuber. So I was just a weird kid saying, hey, can I get a video of you? Nice. And they'll be like, uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to ask how much your outfit is. And they were like, was that pre-planned or it just slipped off the tongue? It happened right there in that moment. Sick. Yeah, right there in that moment, I was like, the outfit, and he talked about the outfit. Make them feel special. Yeah. And how much the outfit was born in Paris Fashion Week. But that's so mental, because I think that the obvious place where someone's head would go to, or mind would go to, is goes, talk us through your outfit. Yeah. Not go, how much is it worth? And yeah. I think that is that little bit of gold that just happened. It mm -hmm. is, because I think it's a question that everyone wants to be asked secretly. Yeah. But no one wants to ask it, because it's kind of taboo, I guess. Well, it mm. depends what you're wearing. I'm sure you don't want that question right now. I mean, <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Let me throw, throw me on, <laughs> then we can chat. And also, like when I was studying, I discovered like um, if you add like a price tag and a title, like money does really well on, yeah. on views. Like every single mainstream YouTuber is using money titles. They say about this. celebrities, it's like someone's instantly more attractive if they're a celebrity. Mm. It's like you might not care who someone is, but as soon as you find out the famous, you're more drawn to them. Same with outfits where you could wear a t-shirt 
be like, oh, it's a fucking t-shirt. It's like, it's 800 quid. Like, ooh, you know what? I see why. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, look the number out the air. But then when it comes to fashion, it's like, it goes hand in hand with the kind of garishness where people love to talk about how expensive the right outfit's worth, but also people love to chat about how cheap it is. Like, if someone's got a great thrifted, like, find, oh, like, yeah, I got it for like 30 quid. It's worth 800. Mm -hmm. So it's stuff like that. I think you've really struck gold with that. It's also clickbait without without it being clickbait. It's like, oh, yeah. Here's a million dollar watch. And everyone's like, rather than look at this, like, Submariner, it's like, Here's a million dollars. It's like, yeah. I want to see what that is. Yeah, 100%. Like the first like meetup of how much your outfit was in Copenhagen, Denmark, because I spent a lot of time in uh, Denmark. I had a business out there, a fashion app called Slide, and it did really well. It took over Scandinavia region of the app. What was it? Um, it's where you slide up and down rating someone's outfit on an app. <laughs> yeah. and I was, it was complimenting how much is your outfit. It done really well. Like the Instagram grew to 200K, massive. I started loads of like trends on uh the fashion community, like, there's an outfit carousel of people, one, two, three, four, five, and you pick the number, which one you like. That Sick. all stemmed from Slide. All these ideas was, like, left or right on the story, which which outfit is better. All stemmed from Slide. Love that. And also, I've noticed, you, you have a disclaimer on your videos that says, spend wisely on clothes. Like, have a little uh, thing. What prompted you to do that? What has been a city? What has been the best city for the style? And what has been the worst one? Because surely you've come across a lot of absolute stinkers where they're like, yeah. this was like three grand, eight grand, fucking 10 grand, and it looks shit. Oh man, like I don't want to be mean to anyone if you feel offended by this, but like, honestly, like it was the London one because I was really surprised how like a random kid would come up to me and you wouldn't think anything of it. Yeah. His outfit's like 50K. <sighs> Dude, you don't look like, 50k? That was the first yeah. thing in my head. I was like, really? Like, would kids come up to you and be like, go on, do me, do me, like, my outfit's worth oh, so much? Dude, like, off camera as well, walking around, like, selfages and stuff, it was difficult because, I mean, how much your outfit was, like, received worldwide? Yeah. Selfridges is a worldwide hub for shopping, especially for fashion, and my friends were working at Selfridges, so I'd always chill with them. Yeah. But it just, that's the only question. <laughs> hey, man, can you film my house? Are you filming a video? How much are you? Are you, film are you filming, bro? bro could, could you get me? Could and they'll get so offended when I said I'm not filming, and I just got tired. Yeah. <laughs> because you've actually got, like, quite a solid community. I think compared to a lot of YouTubers, you create communities around yourself, but the Icy... Oh, Icy Cove? No, the, the, the what, is there a name for the community? Oh, no. But like, <laughs> okay, no, okay, take that back. There were so many names in the past, and right. I just got rid of them. Fine, but like, known family, icy gang. <laughs> it, it is, but it is quite a strong community. Yeah, and like, I think that's the thing. I think because your content is featuring a lot of people, it was quite easy to harvest that community. If that makes yeah. sense. Whereas, like, what you were doing, Danny, was like production over here, not including yeah real like, people. We liked incorporating people, but the main feature of it was like, obviously, it was us four boys. Whereas obviously with yourself, it's like, it is very community driven. I think it's given you a, like a great set of people around you where it's, it writes itself as well. It's like, there's always gonna be new people to be able to do, so. Where has been the best place? Like where has got the best style where you're like, fuck me, everyone coming up to me looks sick. Probably like, if it's not Paris, then yeah, Paris. <laughs> has there ever been anywhere that surprised you? <laughs> oh, Poland. Oh my God, that's the last, that's the latest episode. Cause I thought I'd start, like restart it, filmed it in Poland and I didn't do any more after that. Um, like, <laughs> it was scary, like the police came to try to shut it down. Cause it was like, no way. they've never seen like commercial loads of kids in a space. It's very tense there. It's a sensitive city as well for many reasons. Um, so I just, yeah, I was really shocked. Everyone that was wearing Rick Owens, Anthony Mista, Poland. I was, yeah. I was like, guys. Where are you getting this from? <laughs> you guys are kind of cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's your last Instagram? <laughs> Might have to hit a follow back. 
Yeah, no, so I just want to go back to Slide because you've had a few different businesses and like, yeah. you know, we're going to get onto sort of your t-shirt you're wearing later, but you also had Soho Kid. Yes. Yeah. And what happened with these? You seem like someone who's always wanting to do, have like multiple revenue streams. Not re- but like, mm. you want to be involved with everything. So what happened to Slide? You know, what happened to Soho Kids? What, what were you doing at that stage? I mean, I learned the hardest way. First time having investors and stuff. Uh, as myself and a few other co-founders. Craziest thing was when on the launch of the app, the investors say, if you get 20,000 users in the first three months, we'll do an Asia tour for you. I was just like, yes, I'm going to tour the world. It's going to be so sick. Do how much shit outfit whilst my app. I was yeah. sick, sick, gang. <laughs> the issue was we got 85,000 users in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> what? Did it crash? It crashed. We was in New York City. We were touring America for the launch of Slide. You know, we didn't anticipate any of this. We're like, let's start with America because, you know, America, that's where you go for business. Yeah. It crashed. It kept crashing. As soon as we got all these users on board, you now have to keep them on. Also, we set up for like a business of like a small business. You know, we didn't anticipate a big business. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's so many issues with growing pains of growing a company, very, especially a tech company. There's a lot involved. And I had to grow up quick. I think I was 17 when I signed a contract, underage as well, which screwed me over. And I lost the company, investors. Um, no way. Years later. And I learned a lot through this transition. So did you get anything from it? Nothing. Nothing? Yeah. And it still exists now? No. Okay. I was going to say, if it did, go delete it from your phone <laughs> no, right now, everyone. As soon as I left and I got kicked out and everything, it just all fumbled. <laughs> they fumbled the bag, man. They screwed up so bad. So then what was your, ne- your next entrepreneurial um, endeavor? I mean, back in fashion YouTube era back then, it was sneaker culture that was the biggest culture so I was going to sneaker cons and stuff I found it I didn't really like YouTube much it was all kind of cringe yeah. I was like let me create a brand so um, aside from my first brand Calabasas Cowboys which is a DIY brand where I got like t-shirts and jeans and I'll draw on them and talk about my story of living in Calabasas with some really big celebs and cool people and that did really well but then I wanted to make something where I didn't have to draw on clothing because it was too much work for me Yeah. so then I made Soho Kids which was a lifestyle brand using vintage clothing and repurposing them very sustainable as well very Pyrex exactly that was the whole the, the actually, blueprint the inspiration was that one quote he said about the markup value like yeah. he got this he marked up and made this much profit it was a Ralph Lauren flannel shirts for X amount and drew yeah. on them and sold them for a profit of and then, X. then he made yeah. the, the rug he the made rug, the rug for it, it. Yeah. exactly so, uh, where, where Jan De Leon wrote an article and basically said this is just this <laughs> about the markup yeah, yeah, and he yeah. made a rug with it on I had this like idea as well like Okay, biggest profit margins. There's like a undisclosed factory in LA that sells and supplies vintage for the whole of the world. Oh, you guys know. We've been there. Okay. okay but we've okay. been to one of them. Okay. We shot a PAQ episode there. And they have a big army selection. It's like a... Huge. A big, and there's like a big lift you go up and it's like a whole... You've been there? I didn't go. Oh, yeah, you went there. It's like I a family out. business. Yeah, so we, we went there. I'll, I'll remember the name. I'll show you it in a bit. It that's was a like, secret, yeah. It was crazy. Oh, that's what I said. I'll show you but a bit. But is it appointment only? Yeah. You need to have a business account. Yeah. You need to have, so we were in there and like Sean Wotherspoon's like there doing stuff. Then like other people over here doing stuff. And we were shooting an episode in. So I was getting my, I mean, I can say it now. I was getting my uh, jumpers for $1 each. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was getting them embroidered with the Soho kids for like, you know how embroidery goes. We each like a dollar to $2 per Yeah. Dollar. Anyway, all in, including like shipping it for free sometimes, but I charge them anyway. Um, it, it costs me like three, four dollars for a jumper to be made and a t-shirt even cheaper. And then selling them for? I think we sold them for like 60 pounds. And how that, did you sell? A few. It's going for a while. <laughs> 
But like the whole intention behind that was I just moved to Soho and my partner and I, we wanted to open a cafe shop in Soho. So we're going to use all the profits to create this empty gallery in New York by Off-White. They have this whole experience. You go in there, it's like trees, sound, but you're also shopping. I wanted to create the same experience with a cafe shop in London. So that was the whole idea of Soho Kids, creating the next steps where people can physically go there. And I suppose the thing is, though, that was also you monetizing your YouTube video. So not like YouTube ads, but you didn't do loads of like sponsored content oh, at yeah, that time. Did. And obviously that is basically, yeah, there's, there's a big markup, but it's actually paying for you to be able to Yeah, it's be paying for me vlogs. to like be on in vlogs and it's paying for me to create the next steps that will benefit everyone, really. It's reinvesting. Mm. And then you had a BBC show. Oh my God. Oh my God. No. <laughs> what would you call it? A show? It was a, it was a, it was a one-off documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Where um, you had to flip, flip culture kind of vibes. Yeah. With Charlie Sloth was in it. Yeah. When you, you looked young. <laughs> <laughs> you looked like a kid. So how did that come about? And do you want to give us a quick like pitch of what it was for those who don't remember it? Yeah, sure. It was a, a documentary where you had one pair of sneakers worth a hundred pounds and you have to flip them up to make the most money you can at the end of a time period. I think it was like 30 days, I can't remember. How it came around, I guess my work in doing YouTube videos, they found me and they reached out to me and I was like, okay, cool, let's do it. Yeah, that was a very interesting time. It was my first ever time doing anything like that. I was really, really young doing that as well, thinking back. That was the first time and ever since then, I rejected all TV and opportunities like that. I rejected them all and I had some crazy opportunities. I didn't like the idea of someone creating a narrative about you. Yeah. That happens with like Joey Essex as well. You know, they yeah. create a narrative about him with the editing and stuff. You have no control over your narrative. You're presented how you're, how they want to perceive you as. You well, know? I've got a question then. So obviously you were part of a UK scene that in my head was pretty much exclusively you, Magnus and Sanjeev yeah. in YouTube British fashion. Then PAQ came about mm. and obviously it was fashion, but it was a big team behind it whereas you boys were doing your own thing mm. creative shooting editing what was your honest reaction to it you know a lot of times passed now you can be as, <laughs> you can be as honest as you want like when it came out what were you thinking because magnus for example kind of was a bit like fuck these guys they've got a whole team i've spent years yeah, doing yeah, yeah. this yeah i want to be happy i'd have been like you got a fucking golden handshake like we've been working hard for yeah. ages like why didn't you pull someone who already was doing it not complaining though <laughs> I heard I heard about it like um like through some I can't remember no names man but I, when we see each other we smile and I'm like oh you're that guy okay cool so it was like I was doing my thing in Supreme Drops filming it and I kept getting approached by some guys talking about this like TV idea I was like it's really cool really really cool um and then it was at this dazed party first of a dazed party I went to as well and this guy comes up to me saying yeah I love what you're doing there's this TV idea we're gonna do basically like with like you guys what you do basically and what we're gonna run it as a TV thing and I was like this is so cool it's like a really Really cool opportunity. So this is all pre yeah, launching pre, then. Yeah, pre launch. Oh. Yeah. Was this for PAQ? Whatever it was called then, I don't know. Whatever oh, so you now, almost casted for it. Yeah. So this is an exclusive Fuck. For two people that were there at the start didn't know this. So okay, carry on, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, man. And then I remember then and he was just asking like, oh, like who else? It was funny because the first thing he said was like, yeah, I don't really like this hype, it's culture thing, man. It's so cringe. But like what you've done is like amazing. And like, we're going to start doing this stuff as well. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm dropping so much right now. <laughs> but like long story short, like, yeah, like um, if we first come out, I'm like, oh my God, another competitor. Now I need to like watch numbers because like taking it back to, what's his name? Brandon Taylor? Yes. And like, even like, and Heist Nobiety was the second, Heist Nobiety was the biggest channel on YouTube, but then it was Brandon Taylor and then Complex as whatever. I was using these individuals as like markers to reach and to accomplish and like overcome them. 
because like I was still seeing myself as like a small kid in my room making videos. Yeah. And the only way these guys would want to hang out with me or chat with me is if I had the same numbers as them. It's just how it works mentally as yeah. a YouTuber. Like I can't chat to KSI unless I have a 10 million subscribers, you know? Yeah. It's how you like, it's how you're trained going in the industry of like YouTube. Using PAQ as a way to like keep thinking of new ways to adapt my, my content and concepts and keep ahead of PAQ as well. I was like, okay, I've got to do this, got to do this. But of course, at very first, you're like, man, doing all this myself. <laughs> like, and there's moments where you're like, hey, you, you're about to sleep and you're like, man, fuck PAQ. <laughs> you know, like, I got to I gotta wake up and like kill myself again to make videos or like try to stay ahead, man. This is tiring. It's like, I wish I had an editor or I wish I had like someone to help me with ideas every morning. But then like, what happened next? Like, I just didn't really care. It's like, okay, it's cool. And then, yeah. and then you were cast as part of the best dressed YouTubers. Oh boy. <laughs> we, we haven't got to get into that, but like, what I suppose, you know, we're talking about you being in school uniform. We know how you dress now. What were you dressing? What brands were you wearing at this stage? So this is when I started doing brand deals and I started making money. So I literally bought everything I could touch. Sense of style. People said, oh, I like your style. I'm like, bro, I just buy whatever. Like if I like something, I buy it. I have no style, bro. It's a mess. It's chaos. <laughs> so my style back then was chaos. It was like, wow, that's the guess. It's a rookie call. I need that. It was like one of those kind of vibes. Like you're collaborating with who? Oh my God, let me get that now. <laughs> my money went on clothes. K KFC Crocs. You know what I mean? Is that a thing? Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh. Fuck me. Yeah. I knew about that. So you've started like wearing all black for quite a while now. Yeah. But it hasn't been forever, has it? No. When was this change? It was a point where I was like, when I started becoming like more spiritual and more like into myself, and I got over like my whole like, mental health battles and stuff. Yeah. I started realizing like it's a waste of money. Well, it's not a waste of money, but it's a rat race when you're trying to buy trends every single week. Yeah. And Stussy was man, Stussy was killing it, man. They kept dropping bangers every single week at DSM. I was like, I was buying everything. Yeah. And then you got all these other designers dropping things. You and then you just have all these on-season, on-trend clothing that yes, it gives you like followers on Instagram, whatever. People love that. It gives you, it makes you look cool. I, I was, it wasn't sustainable. So I had to find a way to like be sustainable. And the black clothing kind of gave me, it was like a pause, it enabled me to pause everything. Yeah. And really focus on like my Steve Jobs vibes. Like what's my uniform? <laughs> so, and black does match black, so. Black is just the beginning step, especially for my brand Bonnie. It's just the beginning. It's gonna be a story of like evolution of adding color into my life because right now black is like the beginning step, the foundation of discovering your style. Sick. It's like a blank canvas to add on. So that's why I don't really wear, for the whole year, I've had no graphics on my body. So with the past then, what has been the worst fashion trend you've been a part of or the worst outfit you remember wearing? Oh my God. Oh. I'll say everything in that PAQ video of best dressed. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, everything in that needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what you wore. No, there was these like Margella jeans and they were inside out. Not Margella, uh, Helmut Lang jeans. I'm a big fan of Helmut Lang. Not a vibe. Not a vibe. <laughs> so it's uh, your PAQ days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <man. trend. laughs> they want a vibe. Um, just basically like there was an era called luxury. I call it luxury season when YouTube content was based on luxury. So like yeah. the Gucci, da da da, and you're cool and stuff. I would say, yeah, that was the era where I regret the most. I, it was I, almost I when Rocky style. dropped Fashion Killer and everyone went from just wearing Supreme to kind of trying to find yeah. one I brand next supreme yeah. yeah everything you just yeah nah <laughs> nice and then so i suppose let's sort of keep it moving 139 million video views later we've basically been asked this question a lot and i know you're a positive person and i'm sure you're going to give us a very on the fence answer about this but and it's a question that whenever we see content we say it but honestly we've been asked this loads mm. how does it feel that you've seen loads of people biting your style of content mm. and there's a few people in particular on tiktok and stuff 
how does that make you feel? I mean, initially, how much is your outfit? Yeah, okay, that affected me the most because I was young. You have to know I'm by myself. I don't have a team. Yeah. It's me by myself and my partner who has everything. So she gets all of it. She gets all my emotions, how I feel about <laughs> something, you know? Yeah, it, it affected my mental health heavily when, like, TV companies like BBC and everyone started biting it. And even even today, funny enough, there's, like, New Zealand News, Australian, all these people are doing how much the outfit, the radio, um, the news reporters. Oh, hey. Yeah, I got all the records. Um, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it, back then, um, it, it really affected me. And that's probably why, like... Everyone talks, someone linked me, I don't know why they linked me, one of my friends linked me, this YouTuber talking about the rise of Icy Cove and what happened. I watched this video and I was like, oh my god, I'm watching it now. <laughs> and it was this really deep fan, shout out to him, don't know your name, but I really appreciate the love. And he was talking about like why I should have took off but didn't, and who I could have became but didn't. And yes, how much did your outfit? I should have took the next steps. You know, I should have then spoke about myself, but it came around me some more, done this and that. But I was at a point where everyone was buying my style. And it was like the first time hitting me, like I felt so sad, upset. I didn't want to leave my house. I didn't feel like respected in the YouTube community as well. Like I worked so hard and like no one's rating it and like people are biting it, but it's okay when they bite it. It affected me massively for like two years that just like added onto everything else. Yeah. And I just kind of like was ghostly on socials, but not really there mentally. Then long, lockdown happened. Yeah. And then everyone goes through lockdown together. We all experienced it. Yeah. Out of lockdown day one. Except our government. Except Boris. <laughs> he was having parties, you know, raves and that. But yeah, straight after Boris lifted it, I went straight to DSM and I was like, yo, what's up guys? Everyone dressed so fly and I was like, okay, okay, how much? Oh, no, 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 don't bring that back, don't bring that back. <laughs> uh, what, what are people wearing? Yeah, what are they wearing? And that's how I said hi to people. Yeah. Like, hey man, like you're, because even before that, me going to any shop, seeing anyone cool, I want to talk to them, but it's kind of intimidating because yeah. they are really cool in your perspective and I don't know I can't explain it. it's weird so there was the American guy that's kind of come about recently who seems to be doing like celebrities and the most recent one was DJ Khaled or mm. not the most recent one but a, a recent big one and at the end of it he even says like I love your stuff bro like you're doing your own thing like you've got whatever and that actually pissed me off I'm not gonna lie how did you feel I mean um like some of the people like around DJ Khaled and like even the other celebs as well most of them most of them just like their people message me. They're like, yeah, man, we just filmed this video. This guy, like, you're the OG. Da, da, da. It's like good exposure for them, I guess. What do you reply to that? It was like, what can you say? Like, I understand where, like, if I go to America, but it's like, if anyone goes to America, <clears throat> you know, everything's going to tenfold yeah. business wise. And I have access to these celebrities you have as well. It's like when I, I was in New York for two days and I met Willem Dafoe on the street of Soho <laughs> and he got three million views and then I left and I haven't been in America since. But understand like, and the thing is I can meet Willem Dafoe again, you know, what? Bonnui, you know, what's happening there? But if I go to America, <laughs> it's like, I, it's easy. Yeah, because I think you should take the screenshots of these teams messaging you. And like, so like, you're the OG and just make like a, I have dum, 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 just keep doing like, bring them all up on screen and be like, we're back. I don't the know. OG see, is back. The way I see nah. it is you've done probably the biggest musician in the world. Yeah. And probably the most respected rapper in the world. Yeah. So like, what more can you do with it? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Also, you have to remember like America's America, but like UK and like Europe and where we are, it's like, we're more industry based. Yeah. The industry is based here in terms of fashion and fashion weeks. And it's like, I'm more connected luckily with the right people here. Yeah. And I can't be carrying that comedic narrative of 
the American persona. I can't. I'm, it's not me anymore. Anyway. But it's true. I think, yeah, how much is your outfit worth is very American, mm. whereas what are you wearing is more British. Yeah. So it feels polite. more natural. Yeah, yeah polite. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It does feel more conscious about what they're wearing rather than being like... Because it gets to the point where you're just like, fucking hell, it's another million-dollar outfit. all mm -hmm. the shit. But if you're, if you're wearing sick stuff, then it's like, gonna get nicer content. It's like, I even have like some really cool DMs of like... um. So I try setting off uh, how much is your outfit on another level. So I'm talking about the Premier League edition of each football sick. team. Nice. I, like I have messages of like Chelsea Football Club and all these football clubs, and and the end in the end they're like, no, like we're scared to like the players don't want to talk about how much money they they're wearing and the the dirt's insensitive. How did that Drake video come about? Because I I sort of mentioned to you when it came out, mm. everyone lost their shit at the Cairo offices. They were like, <laughs> fuck, this guy's a genius. He's had like a minute with Drake and managed to get a video with how many views? It's like 10 mil, 11 mil, 12 mil, I don't know. Couple of mil, couple of mil, a few <laughs> mil, a few mil. Yeah. How did that come about? Were you just like backstage and you're like, yo, quick one? I uh, know, I woke up like a month before, I woke up to a DM from him. No way. Yeah, yeah, no, he, like, he messaged me. And the funny, funny thing is, I thought Drake was at Drake on Instagram. So I thought it was like some fan account. Cause, Champagne Pappy. Why is it Champagne Pappy? Anyway, <laughs> I get it, it's cool. You know, superhero vibes. Um, so I went to his account. I was like, oh, look, this fan account with Drake photos. That's cool. DM me saying, um, how much is your outfit over your edition? Backstage OT. I was like, this is cool. Fell asleep. Woke up. I was like, wait, I remember there was a blue tick. So I went back to his account. Oh, no, no. I went to search engine. I typed in Drake on Instagram. It didn't appear. Yeah, he just showed champagne puppy, and then I clicked DM, and it's his DM. I'm like, oh, oh, hey. everything from there was just like, I'm the man. No, no, it's funny. I was walking around like Soho, like I didn't tell anyone about this. Yeah. So for this month, I walked around Soho. I didn't have to film a video because I know I got a banger. <laughs> you know, I have a banger waiting for you guys. It's like any hate come my way, but like, okay. April watch. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like, it was fun. It was so euphoric for the whole month leading up to it and then meeting him and then, yeah. <laughs> Slightly off topic, if Champagne Pappy was a superhero, what would his costume look like? Ooh, mm, let me think. Because I, I always have the image of him in the clouds, maybe some like <laughs> blue and white. <laughs> <laughs> What, the nothing was the same yeah, yeah, cover? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that. your Kendrick video then, backstage Glastonbury, yeah. was that some, like a partnership with Glastonbury? How did that come about? How did you um, basically meet the greatest rapper of the moment? Oh, that's so, so cool. No, I just received a phone call. From? From his people. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah. This is not. They were like, yeah, man, so like, um, you know, Americans. Yeah, man, so like, um, Kendrick Lamar wants to... <laughs> really? I thought it was a prank call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was, was serious. They followed through everything. I was like, oh my God. Even like leading up to like an hour before the day, like even in the car, I was like, this is a prank. Yeah. <laughs> even when I had the wristbands and access, I was like, this is a prank. Yeah. Then I met him. I was like, this is a prank still. Because it didn't feel real, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, it was just super chill. So when you walk up to him and he's in that outfit, and you're like, oh, I just don't know how much the outfit worth. There's nothing here. That, it doesn't look insane. And then he obviously says what the crown's worth. Is that what sort of blew your mind? Because I would have been, I, I would have expected a bit more like of okay. an outfit. Yeah. So I'm not gonna lie, but man, you know, shout out to Kendrick Lamar. His people all love visionaries, cool people, everything. I did look at his outfit. and I was like, so what are we gonna talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I see it. This, this is gonna be the, the quickest interaction. Ever and I have takes on take. We done this take like this was. I think the fourth take was uh, submitted that actually went through. It's like after his show, we edited edited it together. Him, Baby Keem, and I just together. Oh, I love Baby Sorry, Keem. Stop. Is that you, that's what you took away from that? Oh, I love Baby Keem. You sat with Kendrick Lamar editing the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you do have a team behind you. <laughs> <laughs> the world was, it was really cool. Team. 
There's some like iconic photos. I need to get yo fan. Give me the photos, please. They're so cool, man. It's like Baby Kim's on my right, Kendrick's on my left, over my shoulder, and I'm just on my laptop editing. Does he look like that young fuck uh, meme? It's Wait, literally it's like... one of those ones. It's literally one of those ones. It's, it's so cool. It's iconic for where life is going. But um, yeah, um, edited it. We did like four takes of him or five takes of him going to the stage. By the way, he's going onto the stage to perform headline Glastonbury, and he's delaying it to talk to me. <laughs> And film this video and make sure the video is right. Fuck me. Was Baby Keem wearing trousers that definitely need another two inches on the hem? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was just so like euphoric, like, ah, like I'm doing this right now. <laughs> I was like, don't screw up, don't screw up. I didn't pay attention to anything. No way. So when you get there, do you chat a bit beforehand or is it straight? Let's get yeah, this out so the way like, and then chill. His people are very coordinated. Everything's done proper. And I said like, yo, like let me meet Kendrick before. So like, you know, we can see each other, talk, get the vibes going. Yeah. They said, yeah. So I met up with him and we just talked from a bit, chatted, cool vibe, wait from outside, film, do 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 do. And then I was on stage, like literally I could have like I was on stage at his headline shirt. Like weird like, i have the craziest footage of just me there with my dad i brought my dad along that's with me you know, dad got because i felt bad i didn't take him to see drake and he put me on drake as a kid so i was like, like dad your brother's coming like want to meet kendrick <laughs> sick <laughs> um and then my close homie ty yeah we just had the best experience ever like all boss vibes you know walking around Glastonbury, all access everywhere that is amazing yeah and then moving on which is a very <laughs> different thing. DJing. Yeah. How did DJing come about? Um, that was, can I say one thing? That was the worst transition to something I've ever it had. Was. Was, you know, talking about music, you're around all these musicians. Is that how you got into DJing? <laughs> that might be better. You know? <laughs> yeah, we'll use sure. that too. <laughs> no, we're not. We're giving it all in. <laughs> I mean, fashion weeks, you know, like I was going fashion week since 2016, like sneaking into shows and stuff. And it, everyone would meet up at the parties and it's like, you kind of realize that the parties are bigger than the shows. Yeah. Like, that's where everyone goes, where people get snapped in clothes going to the parties and stuff. Yeah. As well as like the shows as well. So I kind of understood that the, the power of like within the culture of playing music and creating a space for people to come to was very powerful. And then it was when I went to Tokyo for the first time ever and Virgil was DJing with Heron back to back and Heron pulls me in. He's like, come chill with us, show me mad love. Um, I'm there with like Gabe and all these cool people show me mad what? love. Uzi? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sick. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yo, he's blessed. Like yeah. he showed me so much love. Like he took me everywhere. No like, way. He introduced me to Everyone like the just like roller from Tokyo, if you know. Sick. I don't know. But anyway, um, I saw Virgil DJing techno. Yeah. And I never listened to techno before because I come from a hip hop R and B culture. Yeah. He's DJing techno, and I kind of understood more because um, some I was drunk, whatever, and we can't really communicate as as well with the people in the area because they're Japanese speaking and I yeah. speak with English. But we communicated through the sounds because it was very it was a moment, you know, like the speed, the beats per minute, the the hi hats, the kicks i understood it i understood what he was doing i was like this is the future you know why do we need lyrics on songs because you know? <laughs> i want to feel something and i want to feel something according to the speed of the track i was blown away from virgil's performance and ever since then i bought my small little decks and i learned how to dj every single day for like three years sick yeah. so you kind of found that love for techno from seeing it firsthand rather than obviously being yeah. before that surprised me a lot because Virgil is a set of fabric and you think a lot of these people like a lot of these people who are cool now all have a DJ background yeah 
can't think of the fucking name. Who was the who was a trio? Um, Bean Trill. Bean Trill. Yeah. 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 So Bean Trill was originally a DJ group. Yeah. Yeah. And then the clothing came from that, and Bean Trill was obviously huge. But the music they were playing reflects the clothes as well. Yeah. And I think techno has always had that thing where people associate techno with obviously like hard style and mm-hmm. like not gothic kind of style. But a lot of that music is like incorporating in like mixes. You get everything from rap to techno to mm. random stuff. Even like Palace, using like breakbeat and drum bass. The identity of Palace is quite heavily rooted in the music as well. It is the style around it. So the skate videos were all VHS and it was to all the breakbeats and that. And I think music and culture has always gone hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I think techno has always been quite understated where everyone in the fashion world seems to listen to rap. But no one really goes into techno that much. Mm-hmm. But so I, I think- suppose those guys are from Chicago, which is, you know, Michigan is where I suppose that house techno kind of originated from. So it's like, that's probably where for them guys, it's actually like a truth to them. Yeah. Mm. But now it's people like obviously Peggy Goo, Nina Kravitz, like they are the ones that the cool people in fashion look up to as well. Yeah. So I think it is like that kind of, not hierarchy, but if you're a sick DJ, even if you dress like shit, maybe not actually, because you do get a lot of shit dressing DJs. A lot. But it is, <laughs> like you're saying, the Fashion Week parties, if you can control that crowd, you are the yeah. coolest person at that party. Literally, um, it's interesting. And techno is special because it's like, I'm my personality is I'm very quiet. I don't yeah. like to talk much to people because I like to observe and I like to just know what's happening around me instead and take it in. And that's kind of like with techno, it's like, you don't really talk. You just dance. Yeah. No one's really stood in a corner trying to chat to someone. You're just there to, for the moment to just be free. Yeah. So where have you been playing? I've been fortunate because of my following. So like, I've been DJing everywhere. <laughs> Any fashion weeks? Oh, loads of fashion weeks. You know, like I had this one gig. Oh, Jaguar Barracuda in Italy. Sick. It was in a cathedral. And it was just me on this big massive stage DJ. <laughs> and when they say DJ, I think it's like a little, like, you know, a little thing. You know? Yeah. This was a stage, lights behind me in a Sick. cathedral, DJing to everyone I know from London and all over social media. I'm like, that was, that was nerve wracking for me. Is that one of those moments where you're like, you're up there and you kind of look down and you go, shit, what have I got myself into? Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> and like, my agent didn't come with me. Like, I was there on my ones. I was like, what's happened? <laughs> What's happened? I got no one to hide to. Yeah. I'm like trying to like find anyone from London. I'm like, come talk to me. Yeah. Like, come here. But like no one can come to me because it's on a stage. It's on a platform. Everyone's looking at you. That was the most nerve wracking set I've ever had. But prior to that, I was DJing in like all around Poland, Ukraine. Um, I even filmed some DJ sets as well. And like the Ukraine techno sets blowing up as well. Yeah. All around London as well. Paris, like. Yeah, I even started like this nightlife venture called Rave Nui, which I threw my first ever Rave Nui party, standard hotel. And like that, that was weird, but the police tried shutting it down. I got a phone call on the day of by the police saying like, yes, yeah, so um, you need to stop this party. It's not happening. And no then way. I had the standard hotel backing me. Like they are for the culture. Yeah. Shout out to them because they were telling the police, no, we have all the licenses. This party is right to go. Why did they want to shut it down? So... It kind of stands from my reach because I did a YouTube video prior, which was, so I just finished wireless and I, the video was on like 500,000 views or Louis but my next video was this one, which was what are people wearing? And I was asking them what music are they listening to? And anyone that listened to like electronic music, I'll give them a wristband to come to my party. Sick. That same night. Oh, that's sick. Issue was, you can see the ranking system of videos, you know, and the algorithm. Um, yeah, back end. And this video was performing better than the Kendrick Lamar video and the wireless video. This was trending, like this was taking off. Yeah. It got like 90,000 views in like three hours. I was like, oh, this is nice. I guess I'm back on YouTube again. <laughs> um, 
then the, I think the police saw that and basically they said that um, I'm going to be instigating a riot, um, uh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And they tried locking it off. And I was so stressed the night of. But um, yeah, we got from the capacity of 300 people and we just got them all in. And then we had to like tell everyone that the party was cancelled to them by yeah. email. Yeah. And then just see who still turns up. Nice. <laughs> so obviously you said you're talking about Ravenwy there. Yeah. That's obviously a splinter from Bonwy. Yeah. What's Bonwy? So Bonwy is like my luxury lifestyle brand. It's very young, energy, brutal. Yeah, it's pretty much me. Because it's good night, isn't it? Yeah, good night in French. It um, derives from like my experience of first ever going to Paris Fashion Week at night time and experiencing this new life I wanted to be a part of. And kind of creating my lifestyle now. Like, I listen to techno. The clothes reflect that. And, like, creating a culture around that and my interest. And, like, how you said before, like, um, the unknown gang, like, what do I call that community? Well, now it's like I'm creating a community for that. Whatever. And it's bonnui, I guess, you know? <laughs> so it's not just a clothing brand. It's a, it's, an, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle brand, yeah. But we do sell clothes. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting right now. Because <laughs> YouTube boxing is a big thing right now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm lucky enough to be... Um, the fashion designer for most people now that are fighting. No Sorry, way. what? Uh, that's what I'm saying. What the fuck? So, as in designing like the shorts? Everything now. Fuck! What? <laughs> <laughs> so, when, let's say, so a, every single a YouTuber, card. maybe one with three, maybe with three letters in their YouTube name, steps out into the ring, it'll be wearing Bonwee. Whoever steps out that I like and wants to reach out to me or I've already chatted to him and what's happening is happening, you'll see. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, because I already have a brand. Like, I was inspired by, like, Jean-Paul Gaultier and, like, Martin Mace Magella. How, like, they make clothing for movies. Yeah. And also, I'm into furniture, space-age furniture. They come from movies, like Star Trek and stuff. It made sense. Why don't I make clothing for the people that are, like, already who they are? Yeah. That's crazy, though, as well, because those big YouTubers, right, they, all, by and large, come from, like, gaming backgrounds and things like that you boys were the ones doing fashion youtube but then you were part of it i suppose you were part of the reason it got bigger but you also happened to be part of the zeitgeist when it started to blow now everybody is into fashion everyone it's crazy like TikTok. you know it, yeah yeah <laughs> but like you know you look at sidemen videos and like whenever they do a spending challenge they're going to gucci they're oh, they going buy to the most ridiculous things but but fashion is now part of who they are whereas yeah. if you go back six years ago it wasn't they didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. You've moved into furniture as well. So I see yeah. you're always at like vintage furniture sales. You're at like these events for furniture. How did that kind of come about? Is this one of those things where you got a place and you got into it? Or was it before that? I mean, I like nice things. So yeah. I want to be surrounded by nice things as well. And I'm really focused on branding and like, I want my apartment to reflect. I'm, I think Tyler the Creator is the best at this because everything, no matter where he is, what he does, it reflects him. Yeah. The exaggerated plants and all this and it's really cool. So I'm like, let me create my kind of like lifestyle, even including furniture. This is me, this is the furniture I'm into and start curating for people and individuals for their houses and stuff. And it's really fun, man. Yeah, so what what you have to do with that? Like, is it gonna be doing shop fittings? Is it gonna be like personal appointments where you'll it's, um, like interior design? I mean, I have my other mm -hmm. account called Holy Grails that I've been growing. And Holy Grails is like uh, my archive page I grew from like 2017. Yeah. It has like 70,000 followers and it's doing really well. I have really cool celebs I help out through that. And that's going to now have a permanent store in uh, Antwerp. Sick. And it's going to be selling furniture as well and all sorts. We also need to cover off the fact that you moved from London to Antwerp. Yeah. <laughs> what sparked that movement? Or that move even, not movement. 
Anzo is very interesting because I'm very, I kind of compare it to, man, I don't want to sell it because I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's cool. People want to now come. Like, there's loads of people messaging me now that they're all leaving to move to Antwerp now. <laughs> they're moving to Antwerp now. Yeah. Um, but why did you do it? What made you go to Antwerp? I feel like, you know, Berlin, Paris, yeah. Lisbon may be the place where people are going. And you've gone to Antwerp. I'm very like, um... I'm super random. Antwerp is still a direct train to Paris. It's still a direct train to London. It's in the middle of like everywhere I need to be basically. And I can drive everywhere I like to drive. Netherlands is right there, which is like very big for the furniture I'm into because that's where all the secret gems are sold for super, super cheap. And Antwerp has a really good quality of life that I really like. Like the food is really good. It's all classed in like a grade system and they only sell top tier graded food. Everywhere you eat, no matter what takeaway, it's... Man, I've been eating so good. <laughs> Every day I'm like, this is expensive. It's going to burn the bank. But also this is so good. Like, I don't want to cook at home yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, Antwerp is amazing. It's, I compare it to Tokyo. It's hard to get to, technically, because you have to go through Brussels. It's not a major city. Tokyo's a major city. But, like, it's a hidden gem. Yeah. And it's kind of far. When you're there, you kind of have a disconnect from the Western culture, the Western world. In terms of like, you can watch everything happening on social media, but you're in Antwerp and you don't care. Yeah. Because you're doing your own thing. And everyone there has that vibe. No one cares who you are. It's like, you sit down at a cafe and they're like, you right? right. <laughs> and that's it. And they, if they like you, they like you, become friends. If they don't like you, they don't fake it. Yeah, that's it. Also, I was quite intrigued with what you said to me outside, where because of Brexit, the whole visa thing's fucked up. So what you've had to do is pretty wild. Oh, man. <laughs> um, is I don't know if there was an, any other way of me doing this, but I had to live in hotels for like a year. And like, I was supposed to move in in January in Antwerp, but you have to, because of Brexit, it, I was like one of the first guinea pigs, I feel like. Like the website, I've seen the evolution of the Belgian website because they've been trying to figure out the process of getting people visas for long stays. Oh, it's been difficult, so difficult. And there's like a new way I'm trying right now, um, which involves uh, Holy Grail as my brand. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I'm finally having my own place there now. I'm settled and things are moving. Just go back to furniture quickly then, because yeah. I do feel like the kids that were really into fashion have kind of started to move. Where it went from the kids who were into fashion were in Supreme, then they started wearing high end. Now I feel like they're getting they're going into furniture. And Evolution. Like, kind of like everyone that was behind it. So the kids that weren't, into fashion then got into the flashy supreme like we're talking about maybe like people like yeah. the sidemen and stuff we've probably got a lot of people who quite like furniture and want to know how to get into that type of thing is there like some entry level yeah. brands or even like some tips for somebody who wants to start getting something nice in their house yeah like I now have like a team and I'm looking to get them a place in Antwerp so they can all live there permanently like I have a crew now an actual team to help make all these content ideas now I can really now I'm in a position where I can compare it to like Supreme Palace and all these things I've grew up in in the culture so it's like there's loads of entry-level furniture you can get into and there's loads of like hype furniture and there's loads of like low-key furniture and I'll call them like the ricks and the rafts and you know <laughs> and that's how I kind of like level them out and like explain it to new people I mean I am I have my own stool coming out which is like the purpose of being super affordable yet super yeah this is like valuable blah 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 like is this store or stool stool Stool, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a still stool. So you're in furniture design now? Yeah. Sick. Yeah. What aren't you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a little bit of everything. It feels like, yeah, you're doing, doing a lot. Yeah, it gets like that. <laughs> I, I, I get bored really quickly. I need to keep moving, keep doing new things. I wait, like every day is a new day for me. So it's like, I'm not an admin person. So that's probably where I find my time. I can't do, I hate admin, so I refuse to do it. And yeah. I, I hate numbers, spreadsheets, I, I hate all of them. Anything that involves a laptop with words, I hate. If it comes to design, creating stuff, I do. 
And that's probably how I find time. So how did you first get into furniture designing? Did you approach some like did you approach a designer mm. and say, Can I collaborate on a piece with you? I'm lucky to have like really cool friends that already are furniture designers and they're working with me. Actually my my Bon logo is um I'm a big fan of Mario Bellini and his work. Yeah. And one guy manages to DM me and he ended up being someone that used to work for Mario Bellini. Sick. And then he designed my Bon logo that I have today. And nice. I, I that's like for me that's so cool. That's cooler yeah. than like a lot of things I've done because that's something I am I'm into heavily yeah. you know perfect with the present then we have a question to kind of bookend the present bit but I feel like with you we need two parts of it so your apartment's on fire you can save one item of clothing what would it be and why but also we're gonna have to ask you if you have one piece of furniture you can save from your apartment what would it be and why my Mario Bellini so far you're joking sick you're joking. <laughs> Aston answered easy clothing then Kofi the shoes count yeah, yeah. I'll take my Tom Sachs. 2.0s. 2.0s. They're my holy grails. The best shoes ever made in mankind. I love them so much. What were the 1.0s? The same as 2.0s, but like... The 2.0s with the bag on it? Not many people got the 1.0s. Yeah. Ah, oh, right. So the 2.0s are the same ones like the... Yeah, the They're like the best made shoes. Like every perspective of it, when you wear it, purpose behind... Oh, I love it, man. Was it the 3.0s that are basically the 2.0s in a sack? Yeah. I don't think they were called 3.0s. They weren't 3.0s. They were like moonwalk or something. Yeah, they were yeah. But some people cut them off and they were literally just the same shoes underneath pretty much. Oh, but you still had around. the strap on it and you still had like, it wasn't the same. No. It no. wasn't the same. You've got a pair of them, haven't you? They're, they're dead. You, you beat them to fuck as oh, well. Mine have holes, mine, I used to skate in them. I've got the most expensive belt in the world. It's the Tom Sachs shoelace. <laughs> <laughs> I have a shoelace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, there you go. is that the Tom Sachs one? No. Oh, John's literally wearing the, the shoelace from the Tom Sachs as a belt. <laughs> so moving on to the future then. You are currently at this point of filming. You are on 926,000 subscribers on YouTube. What are you going to do for a million? Celebration wise? Either, is it going to be a video? Is it going to be a party? Is it going to be merch? Oh, so... <laughs> Redoing re the merch. Might have to bring that merch back. Hundred percent. Just for gems. Please uh, release it attention videos. Aww. Yeah, maybe that should be when you hit a million views, a million yeah. subscribers. That should be the gift for everyone. They get to see the first vlog ever. Oh no, no man. I, okay, maybe you, you drop straight back under million again. <laughs> right, I'll lose a million. I mean, a hundred percent. There'll be a rave Nui party. And I'll be DJing along with loads of friends in a cathedral. Something crazy. Actually, I have this crazy venue in Antwerp. Screwed. It's like this abandoned warehouse where it's insane. Can people wean each other there? Is it going to be New Bergheim? It's like Bergheim. <laughs> I, I might have to talk because I'm friends with like some Belgium um, officials because I'm trying to work some things out there with the tourism cultural team. Course. And yeah, I might have to like chat to them about like turning it into like the print works of London. But Sick. I have all these cool ideas. So some people release a video, but you're going to release a venue. <laughs> that would be really cool. No, 100%. I don't know. I think it'll just be a party, honestly. A video, we'll see where my YouTube goes after these like boxing fights <laughs> <laughs> would you ever get involved in youtube boxing who would be a dream instead of saying youtuber who would be a dream content creator you'd like to box i know like those people ask me please this. say the american guy we can tag team him easy then american guy done <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing like martial art. I did kung fu like nine, ten years, and I did boxing for like a few years. Like I can get back into it. <laughs> I got a fast metabolism if I want it. Come on, light work. Light work. So what would be? Your dream place to DJ? Oh, 100% print work. And That's surely not that far away for you. Like, to get to, I mean, is it not, sorry, no, not, not, no, not no, physically. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I know it's down the road. I meant, like, you know, you're talking about you're doing these big brand parties. You're like, mm. surely print works isn't that unachievable. 
I really like print work. And It'd I, be sentimental rather than... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, meant, I meant more as in, like, it's an achievable thing. That's sick. Someone, oh, yeah, someone like, bang your line ASAP, but kind yeah. of thing. No, it's not like that because I was still rejects because I, I had this thing of, like, do I... Have you I, earned I, it? Yeah, you know? Yeah. I don't like to cheat it because of who I... I, I, like, I like to work my way up. So I, even if they reach me, I'm like, no, nah, reach me in, like, another few months. What would be your dream, maybe, event to DJ, then? Would you love to have a runway show with, like, one of your mixes? Would what you brand, to, yeah. You gave me a smile, Ooh. then. Have you had one? Something, something, someone reached out to me for an idea like that, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I guess, like, it'd be really cool to have, like, my own, like, track, new, new track, played for, like, a show, like, Rick Owens or something. So, That'd be really cool for, like, a Rick Owens show. Yeah, I think Runway. If yeah. I could, like, curate a soundtrack for, like, a Runway. Ideally, you're saying Rick. Yeah. So that'll be at Palais de Tokyo. Or Andomini Mista, you know. Keep it, keep keep it Antwerp. Antwerp. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Antwerp and, you know, and, and saw, the everywhere. I saw, I saw the bag. So what is the plan for content moving forward? Um, It's very exciting because I'm actually in a position where I know where I'm going with my content. Go on. <laughs> like, um, it's, I finally found a way to, like, be myself in my videos and not this, like, American comedian, whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So there's going to be a lot more so. I'll just say the title of, like, being YouTube's fashion designer. Or like Dapper Dan of Next Generation in terms Sick. of that. Because I think you always have had this background where you have shown your full journey from learning to mm. DJ. So uh, I everyone grew up with that ago. as well. That's the thing. So yeah, kind of makes sense, I guess. Do you care about the views anymore then? Because, you know, we, mm. we, we call it, you're basically on a million, right? Subscribers. Yeah. You've got all these other like business ventures. Is the content as important to get those big views anymore? To you, it's just now you've actually just got like the content. I don't necessarily pay attention to views now. Um because I'm kind of like focused on loads of other projects that I'm doing myself. Um, I guess, I don't know, because I know what to release to get views. Okay, so I know, you know now. Yeah, you know, I know how to get views. I know what celeb to reach out to get views, you know, like. What celebrity would you love to get in? How much your outfit worth? Okay, so before lockdown, I can't believe lockdown happened. <laughs> the Kardashian, how much your outfit was projected to happen? Shut up. No way. Which one? Yeah, all, all of them. them. No way. Yeah. Fuck me. How we're would just, that work? We're just so I was speaking with this one agent I met. There's this big agency in Beverly Hills, and she manages like managed. I don't know. She still does but like Saint John, and he just released roses that was popping. So I had that coming, and she was like, "Yeah, like we could do the Kardashians next. I'll speak to Kris Jenner for you. Everything was working to plan, you know." <laughs> It was going to be great. I, like I already saw. Like I couldn't stop smiling. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing this. You know, like I might yeah. be a Kanye in there if I'm lucky. <laughs> that was my thought. But then lockdown happened and it just screwed everything up. Who do you reckon would have the most expensive fit then? Um, it's got to be Kim. It's got to be Kim. You know, she has the plugs. True. Who do you think is a celebrity that dresses really well that you'd like to have on? Just like a random person. Is there anyone with an underrated style that you're fucking with at the moment? I mean, I already had Koji Radical, and surprisingly, like, when I see him on my Instagram, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I even DM him, I'm like, bro, you actually fly. I think it'd be too easy to go down the whole Frank Ocean, Nast, yeah. Ace Rocky vibe when someone says, who dresses well? Yeah. Quite like that you've gone with a UK person there. Yeah, always shout out to the UK people. And I know you're, you're veering away from fashion, but like, you're there on the streets talking to these kids who are the ones purchasing things. What are you seeing, like, Trend-wise, what are you predicting to happen and what do you want to see more of oh, fashion-wise? That's so crazy. Like, when I went to Tokyo and like, I met Heron Preston, he told me, like, bro, like, because I was like, hey, man, do you remember me? I filmed you in Paris, like, last year. Like, bro, of course I know you, bro. Like, the people high, high up in Nike, they watch your videos in headquarters and the meetings. Like, you're serious, bro. Serious. And I'm just this kid who's like, really? Kid from Kent. <laughs> Damn, okay, this is cool. 
They didn't reach out to me, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, still, that's still my ideas. But I, I hate that as well when people are like, yeah, you're in all of our decks. And it's like, well, fucking use me, man. And then like, talk to me. But like, it was really, that's when I realized that, wait, my videos is like really documenting what is currently pop culture in terms of clothing, what's hyped in certain cities yeah. at that time. It was actually good marketing for They, they pay a lot of money for companies to go and do that for them. And yeah. what they're doing is going on YouTube. And, and getting it for free. Yeah. It's crazy. And I was like, wow, that's how powerful, how much the outfit was. Yeah. So what, what do you expect to see more of then? It's so funny. Like last summer, the biggest trends were the Doc Martin. It was those sunglasses, you know, the sunglasses, all the girls and guys wore. Alexa, Lola. Alexa, oh, Alexa, Lola. Yeah. yeah was, that was popping. It was the cowboy boots for the girls. It was the oversized thrifted YSL kind of vibe shirt. It's like, it's funny. And that was the 2021 summer. You yeah, know, so 2023 really summer, what do you think? I'm thinking recession hits, isn't it? So I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going to be looking good for, for retailers, I think. I think it's going to be more like thrifted, more hammy downs and more conscious outfits. And talking about like conscious, what about like Bonwe? How are you evolving as a brand to sort of like fit a modern consumer who cares about things like sustainability and the, where their stuff's made? Yeah, that's very exciting because I've had so many arguments with like family around me trying to tell them why it needs to be this price point and not this and this and this. Cause my dad's a big entrepreneur himself and he like, he's the businessman. If I can get a yes from him, it means it's a good idea. Yeah. So I found ways and I spent two years before I even launched the brand with my factory, getting the cheapest. Cause I don't know who to talk to. I mean, I don't have a plug for factories. I had to go out my way to meet one person that wouldn't connect me to a factory to then and use my brain and navigate. And I met so many factories and I tried to get the lowest prices, the most ethical places where I can actually go to factories because those of them won't let you go to factories, you know, meet the people. And the way I took sustainability was like, for example, my jackets, all leather goods, they're super limited because I'm using the wasted levers. So I will never be able to make that jacket again. So you either you get it or you don't, but it's never gonna be made again. So like the jackets are all sustainably made from wasted levers, even the, the tag, the, the label Bonnui is made from scrapped levers and stuff. Sick. And once they're gone, they're gone, you know? And then like the actual clothing themselves, like my, my jeans are released are 100% organic cotton. That was not easy to do, <laughs> but I did it, you know? And the leather patch on there is um really cool, like pineapple leather. Pinatex, you know? we love Pinatex. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually looking, because um, I'm half Jamaican, so I'm speaking with the cotton providers in Jamaica and start saying, like, oh, yeah, all cotton's made in Jamaica and work with my culture and, like, bring that. Because that's really cool. Everyone Is looks at Tokyo. Because obviously, from an early stage, you were known as the Unknown Blasian. You put your, I suppose, your background out there straight away. Is that something that has is important to you or is it something that's become important to you? Uh, it's become more important to me now to stay in touch with family and extended family and really stay true to your roots because I mean I've spent I spend hardly any time on social media now because it's so left wing it's so ridiculous now I just I, I'm off it I spend more time I have actually like a, a scheduled um, life where like I watch Formula 1 sick you know I started going back into football you know I used to sub Liverpool because of my dad my new because of my mum and Chelsea because of what in Kent yeah. So um, now I'm discovering like, what football team I want to support again, you know. Cause it's <laughs> Go a for Leeds United. <laughs> I mean, I'm from, I'm born in Nottingham. So I f Nottingham Forest in Premier League. So yeah, I'm they got some cash. They got some cash now. I'm after back them, you know, the boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't have a sponsor. I don't think they probably do now, but at the start of the season, the first two games, I think they didn't have a sponsor on their shirt. If oh, they don't, you I've need already, to get in there. I've already got like some really cool like sponsors, like Jamaica rugby team, easy. Like, I have really cool things coming out, man. <laughs> What's your next purchase for the house then? So the Maribelini sofa's coming in in October. 
October. I'm super stoked for that. Aside from that, mm, funny enough, by TV, but like a, a, a artsy <laughs> one with like the canvas leg. Oh you know, yeah, the legs like that. What? So it stands. It's got the long legs. Yeah, I think they look cool. They, I found some yeah. cool ones. Yeah, they can be like not hit and miss, but mm. yeah. For not my bad. apartment, I have the perfect spot for I'm like, so I don't want a TV in the wall. I don't like heavy things on walls. Yeah, and it's just me. Or maybe a painting, a very expensive painting. Shout Shaq is a bad one. You know. Get a shack. Well, that I th- that is the next natural thing is start investing in art. You do your furniture, then you go to art. Oh yeah. my god! I mean, we want to talk about investments and furniture is really good. It holds you. It's like it's free. Like that's how I see it. It's like when I buy like a Maribelline sofa, it's free because I get my money back or I get more like interest. <laughs> Not bad, you know. Well, where we're going, we don't need furniture because we're heading to the metaverse. Ah. And in the metaverse, you are represented digitally. Mm-hmm. If you were to wear one outfit digitally, what would it be and why? So you can stick your grills on there or go wild. How would you be dressed? I mean, I kind of like the approach of like, if I went to Mars, I wouldn't be wearing blue jeans and Nike Air Force Ones. You're wearing Mars Yards. I'd be wearing my Mars Yards, yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess I'd be wearing clothing that's like all black. So I can wear it to everything from weddings to funerals. I can make it work. Business meetings, paintballing, I can make it work. All black. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of Gore-Tex involved. Like, I need that logo everywhere because I, I like tech wear. So cool. Nice. So I probably just all black and you just see Gore-Tex everywhere. Just plastered. <laughs> just so that you know that if it rains in the metaverse, if, no matter the weather, the metaverse is crazy. It can have anything. I'm prepared. Gore-Tex do-rag or hair out? Do-rag. Man, have you seen... Yeah, man. <laughs> have you seen the Oakley do-rags from, like, the 2000s? No. Oh, my God. Right, hard. <laughs> so it'd be an ugly do-rag, all black Gore-Tex fit. What would the silhouette be? You bring back the trench coat from the early vlog days? No. <laughs> School uniform underneath? That'd be kind of cool, actually. That'd give me some Clark Kent vibes, though. Adidas Gore-Tex shoes or some Clark's Gore-Tex? Bring back nah, a little boots. bit Jamaican in there. Yeah, man, some, you know the vibes, some Jamaican flag soles, black boots, you know. Actually, Fairmon, Doug Martin boots. I like them. Nice. I haven't got them, but they're my girls. And I guess on that note, thank you very much for joining us on the main bit of the pod. We will now take it to the bonus content where we have the audience questions and Kofi's recommendations. Thank you very much.